everyone and welcome to the latest episode in Marketing Week's This Much I Learned podcast series exploring careers amid COVID-19 and beyond. I'm Charlotte Rogers, Acting Features Editor at Marketing Week, and it's fair to say that the COVID-19 pandemic is having a significant impact on mental health. The outbreak has thrown up unique pressures from operating in a crisis to the impact of working from home, coping with isolation and maintaining momentum. To discuss the mental health impact of the crisis are our guests today, Mika Evans and Michael Stevens. Mika is account manager at Beyond Sport. In 2018, while working as head of marketing at London Sport, she took a three-month sabbatical to cycle from Holland to Portugal, which not only helped improve her mental health, but boosted her confidence as a marketer. Michael is co-founder of Create Space Retreats and workshops, formerly head of creative and design at Virgin Atlantic and global deputy head of creative at Ted Baker, Michael is a passionate mental health and self-care advocate. Welcome Mika and Michael. Mika, if I could start with you, could you tell us a bit more about your decision to take a sabbatical and what that experience was like? Yeah, of course. Um, well, thank you so much for having me on, on the podcast, Charlotte. Um, I think where it started for me is is back in 2017. I, I was uh, head of marketing for a company called London Sport. I'd um, been in my role for, for several years, absolutely loved my job. Um, and at the time, I was going through um, an unexpected divorce. And it all happened really suddenly. Um, you know, I'd considered myself to be a sort of a very optimistic person, quite strong and resilient, but I was sort of going down this, this quite dark path that I couldn't really make sense of at the time. And um, it led me down um, sort of a road of, of, of depression and um, quite challenging mental health. And um, I can't really describe it in that in in many ways because it was almost such a blur at the time but I was sort of my life was spiraling out of control there were things that I used to uh, really enjoy um for example going on long runs and I I would I would sort of do the, the typical things that would bring me enjoyment and 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 just nothing was working um you know I think my body was just um in such fight flight or fight mode constantly day after day and it was just feeling so exhausted and so drained and as I got sort of significantly worse, I was struggling to keep my job, um, struggling to even just um, get through an hour sometimes. Um, and it was it was only at work when I sort of had a bit of a breakdown in front of colleagues that I think they um, sort of realised how significant my mental health challenge was at the time. Um, it wasn't that I was holding anything in or people weren't aware that I was going through a divorce I was quite open and honest about this I'm quite a, quite a chatty bubbly person but it was just getting so significantly worse and out of my control that I just needed at that time to seek help and it was only because I sort of I think you know broke down and I was so unable to to cope that um sort of people around me who saw that were able to kind of pick me up and just help me in any way that I that they could um so it was during my my period of quite a long recovery where I was, um, you know, on, um, on medication, I was getting counseling, I was doing everything that I could to, to get better, but it was, you know, looking back, it felt like a long period of time in my life, but it really has really wasn't actually that long. It was over a period of about a year. And I just had this sort of light bulb moment where I felt that I needed to 
have something to to look forward to in my life. That sounds quite sort of dark, um, but I, you know, I wasn't in a very good place, and I needed a name. I needed an objective. Um, I think this probably goes back into years of me doing uh, running races where. I love to run, but I need a, I need an event to work towards. Otherwise, I just feel like I'm just plodding day after day. And I just thought I need something to, to work towards. I need something big, something really different, something that I've never done before. And it was at that moment that I just decided I wanted to ask my employer for um, time off. Um, I'd already had some compassionate leave. And I, but I wanted this to be different. I wanted it to be a lot of time off. <laughs> um, and I wanted it to, um, well, I just assumed it would be unpaid, uh, but I wanted the security of, of having my job to come back to. Um, now, I was very fortunate that I was working for a charity that aims to get Londoners physically active and you know, mentally well. Um, so everything that comes with physical activity. So my colleagues, my peers, my chief exec, like they understood the importance of being physically active and they knew I really liked long distance running. They knew I really liked uh, long distance cycling. And um, I just said really openly, you know, can I seek unpaid leave? There was no sabbatical policy. There was nothing like that written in kind of policies. No one had done it before in my organization. And um, I thought, you know, I've got nothing to lose, essentially. I've got nothing to lose by asking. Um, at first, I thought I'm going to go for six months. Um, and then I think it was my parents who convinced me to claw it back. You know, I didn't I didn't really have any savings at the time. I wasn't prepared for taking a long period of, of unpaid leave. But I knew that I needed something like that to aim to towards to, to get to continue to get better. Um, and they said, yes, um, I, I was quite shocked. They were very, very, very supportive. Um, it took a period of time to get things set up, um, to, to make sure that, um, they employed someone to, to cover the period of time that I was away to make sure the team felt that I wasn't kind of just abandoning them and, and that they felt supported. I was quite lucky in the sense that I, um, co-managed, managed the, the, the marketing and communications team with, with another head of, a head of corporate communications who I'd worked with for many years. And he was actually the one that encouraged me to, to go for it, um, and really pushed me. So I knew that he was going to be there for the team and sort of, um, uh, lead the helm as well whilst I was away and and they couldn't have been more supportive and once I had that yes it was a period of I think three or four months planning and preparing for it before I went away and um, it definitely it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders by by them saying yes I think it it was another another link in the chain towards my recovery and something that I could really look forward to um, and I didn't really know what I was going to do at the time with that time off, but knowing that I had that time off and I was being supported to do it and I was being encouraged to do it um, was just amazing. It was amazing, a part of my mental health journey. It sounds incredible. It takes such um, bravery as well to kind of, for you to sort of say, uh, this is what I need, this is what I need to feel better, um, this is going to make a difference for me. Um, I think that's incredible. Um, I mean, Michael, if I could come to you, would you be able to tell us a bit more about your mental health journey um, and kind of your decision to sort of step away from the corporate world and go out on your own with your own business? Sure. Um, first of all, thank you, Mika, for sharing that. I resonate with so much that you that you said. Um, especially in terms of, I guess, the, the stigma that 
is still very much present when you're working within a corporation and the inability to sometimes come forward and, and say, I need help. Um, I, I guess I've, I've, felt, I've faced mental health challenges throughout my entire career, just mostly in silence and under the pretense that everything was in fact fine when it wasn't. Um, I didn't want anyone to see my weaknesses and flaws. And I became very good at hiding my struggles by overachieving a lot of the time at work, but but also in the rest of my life too. And I ended up actually burning out at the peak of my career when everything kind of looked perfect on the outside, but inside I was experiencing chronic pain. I got eczema, IBS, insomnia, uh, which I self-prescribed myself heavy doses daily of diazepam. I was a bit of a mess. Uh, and it actually goes back to my my childhood, I think. And these, these feelings of inadequacy, shame, uh, self-hatred that I became quite used to growing up gay but hiding my sexuality because I believed it was wrong so this desire to overachieve was really about demonstrating that that self-worth and the reason why I mention that is because I think it's really important for people to recognize that we all have pasts we all have stories and my past you know doesn't stop showing up when I put a suit on and go to work I don't say goodbye to my problems at the you know the entrance to the office and ask them to wait there until 5 p.m when I finish no we're, we're we're all human beings and our personal and professional lives overlap and it's really important for businesses to recognize that as well I I lived with an eating disorder for over 10 years and I had to hide that in every job I had because like I said the stigma actually stopped me from seeking help and it, it yeah it took a while for me to build up the the courage uh, to go to a GP and um, I started getting therapy and it it kind of took me a while to to really uncover the fact that those issues with food um, actually related back to a coping mechanism that started when I was eight years old, when I was so anxious that someone would find out my secret that I was gay. And I think what I want to frame there is that an eating disorder is actually an addiction, which is a mental illness. And my obsession with work that caused me to burn out, also an addiction. And I think addictions are sometimes looked down upon because they are something that happens to um, to people that live on the streets or that they are so desperate to that they resort to alcohol and drugs. But actually addictions rise through whatever means are at your disposal. And for me, that was primarily work and food. Um, and then, yeah, addictions aren't always obvious, uh, but they are often the result of prolonged and ingrained harmful coping strategies um, and often entwined with mental illness as well. So I think when we 
when we talk about mental health within the workplace, there's a lot of education to be done there and understanding on on kind of both sides, really. Um, and I think it's about allowing people that opportunity to understand. We, we don't just go from... Uh, not understanding to understanding it's it's really a process so in all of the support that we that we give to people that there has to be that allowance to go on the process and I think that's kind of what Mika was saying about she needed that processing time um, and you know that doesn't always happen in uh, in the same way for everyone you need to find your process um, and find, I guess, what it is that you need. Thank you so much because both of you are just being so um, honest and I think it will resonate with so many people what you're saying around, you know, people who achieve so much, you know, overachievers, people who bring everything into the workplace, but that doesn't mean that they're not suffering. It doesn't mean that there's, you know, not things going on in their lives, things that have happened before that, that, that they're still carrying with them and they're still dealing with. Um, and I wondered whether, whether both of you, whether it was, one thing, one change you made, one new way of thinking about something that really stands out for you that kind of made a difference um, either in your career or just your general outlook? Well, thank you, Michael, for for sharing your story as well. I think it's, I don't know about you, but even though I actually talk quite openly about my mental health, I, I, I don't even, I think it was at the moment in time where I kind of had this mini breakdown in front of my colleagues and and as a result, they asked constant questions to me from from that point onwards, um, which made me just constantly talk about how I was feeling. Um, so even for someone who I think was had the had the opportunity to talk so openly about it, um, I still I don't know about you, but I still kind of felt quite emotional and a bit shaky talking through my divorce and what led me down the route of, of mental health. It's um it's an emotive topic and it brings lots of lots of negative feelings and thoughts that you've had before but also positive in the sense that you can see how far you've come and just having the ability to support others out there who might be feeling in a similar position or going through quite difficult circumstances and challenges um, knowing that you might be able to help those those sorts of people because they think oh it's not just me I'm not, I'm not just in my own head is is a very very rewarding thing to um to be a part of um I think for me that the change or the sort of the difference that I made to my life as a result of, of my sabbatical and how that supported me uh, further in my career and just sort of my general life is is my my sabbatical gave me the opportunity to to live a very simple existence for 90 days. So I had uh, three months off work unpaid and I knew I wanted to cycle for for as long as I could, day after day. And I cycled from from Holland to Montenegro and then I also did some some of Italy, Spain and Portugal. And I I pretty much cycled for the the 95% for argument's sake of my time off um and just by the sheer um notion of getting from a to b on my bike every day stripping everything back so uh, you know i carried all of my stuff on my bike so i had bike bags where you know 
they they really can't fit that much in. Um, I had camping equipment. Um, I had such a basic existence insofar as one set of cycling clothes, one set of casual clothes, no makeup. I think a pair of tweezers, some some uh, factor fifty. Um, that was pretty much it. Um, I didn't have obviously a laptop with me. I had my phone because I wanted to do some blogging, and I obviously need needed navigation. I wanted to feel connected to to friends and family back home but by going through the process of stripping everything back in my life and leaving on with that bike on that day with everything that I needed for three months obviously gave me complete freedom uh, mentally and physically but also allowed me day after day to be really in touch with sort of my mind and my body and my soul sounds quite cheesy but it gave me, it taught me so many lessons about simplicity and it taught me lots of lessons um, about what supports my mental health positively and negatively. Um, and as a result, I, I try and practice um, like simple sort of simplicity practices as much as possible. So even down to the level of making sure I, I do a digital declutter so um, it sounds like it sounds like a silly thing, but um, I'm, I have a friend who um, who suffers with bipolar disorder. And um, at the time when I wasn't wasn't quite well, he was giving me lots of tips and resources to look into. And one of them was just, you know, how many apps do you have on your phone? How many things do you have pinging and making noises and the red dots? And he said, um, I make sure I've just got one one page on my phone, you know, put everything in, in folders, turn all notifications off. Um, and it means that, you know, you just use your phone when you want to use your phone. I know some people leave their phone, you know, it's different because people aren't, aren't going into offices now, but, you know, turn your phone off for a period of time when you need to focus on a piece of work or maybe just, I, sometimes I go for walks in between working um, at the moment and I just don't take my phone. Um, but they're, they're things that I've taken forward into my work and personal life now that are things that I kind of learned during my sabbatical about really stripping things back, really living, living within your means as well. Um, so I just try to constantly work on kind of decluttering my mind, um, my home um, and the way I exist, um, you know, at work and, and in a personal life. That's so fascinating, Mika. Thank you. And I think that's real advice that people can kind of take in and say, yes, I'm going to I'm going to do that. I'm going to action that. I'm going to do that right now. Um, Michael, is there anything for you that stands out that was quite a meaningful change that has that you've carried forward with you? Yeah, again, a lot of similarities with what Mika was saying. Um, I've I've made a lot of changes, so I'll try and uh, keep it to the ones that are relevant here. But I also decided to take some time off to recover and reset and I didn't really have a choice, to be honest. I needed to uh, for the sake of my own mental and physical well-being. But taking away the career, the money, the recognition, I'd essentially used all of those to create an identity for myself. And so taking all those away, it became clear that I didn't really feel confident knowing who I was without those things that, that validated me um that gave me that kind of sense of identity and belonging so much like what Mika said I needed to 
almost kind of live from this uh live this simple existence for a while and that was that allowed me to live from a place of authenticity really um and just really pay attention to what was going on um it it was a bit of a bumpy road and I I tried a lot of different things um and actually my approach changed quite a lot and initially it was about fixing my problems and you know finding something to blame or someone to blame and uh healing myself but in the end it it became more about just accepting what was going on um and that initial disappointment that I wasn't seeing results overnight that was just another example of I guess you know the lifestyle that we live the the need to see instantaneous results um but you know fast forward one year and I'm pretty amazed still by the transformation and I guess what I found was despite I, I mean I tried therapy group work coaching I did workshops all holistic practices journaling meditation retreats books you, you name it I tried it and they were all useful in their own way but actually what I found was the the simplest techniques were probably the most powerful and the ones that I continue to use um and it was it was all about helping me understand why I was behaving a certain way because it was from that point that I was able to then use that knowledge to instigate instigate change yeah so I guess the biggest change for me is coming coming at this from a a place of authenticity and really questioning why I am why I'm behaving a certain way what is it that I'm actually trying to achieve by doing this um because I think that that's your kind of route to feeling satisfied not because you want to earn more money or get more recognition because it just won't satisfy you so I think really getting in touch with what it is that is yeah is going to fulfill you um that's been the biggest change for me that is amazing advice thank you both so much um and and that is kind of takes me to my to my last point there will be people listening who this is a, a really unique challenge um COVID-19 people working in different ways put under a lot of, of pressure it might be exacerbating things they've already felt in their life and um, challenges that they had you know it might be a crisis point for people where they feel like if they don't make a change now they never will um what advice would you give to people who maybe are thinking they're struggling with their mental health or they're considering a sabbatical, they need to take time off, but they don't know how to ask or they just kind of want to do their own thing? What would you say to people? I think just going back to, to some of Michael's points around um, creating your identity and coming from a place of authenticity, I think that just absolutely struck a chord with me. Um, so thank you for that. I think those things are, are very challenging to do. Um, but I think when you get to that stage in your life and your career, it really just opens up so so much for you and gives you the freedom to, to think differently and act differently. So thank you for sharing that story. 
Um, but to Charlotte, to your to answer your question around offering advice for anyone who might be struggling right now, uh, whether it's sort of mental health or emotional well-being, contemplating sort of career changes, um, I'm sure there are so many people out there who are just struggling with the day-to-day right now and not knowing what to do. And I think it's quite a challenging time to consider new direction and change and growth when you're really stuck in that kind of daily grind of just just surviving really and getting through the day. Um, From a mental health perspective, my advice would be to anyone who's, who's struggling, even anyone who's not struggling, I think just don't leave it too late to ask for help you know just try and I think we can all do a better job of just talking about mental health good and bad and actually seeing it as a continuum whereby you constantly have to work at it and seek ways of ensuring that it remains as positive and and good mental health as you as you possibly can because no one expected we were going to go into a global pandemic. Um, you know, certainly some people knew that this might be on the horizon in the in the science world, but I don't think anyone expected even in March that we'd be in the position we're in today. So seek and ask for help now. There's lots of lots of help out there. There's lots of resources. Um, I think the only reason why I got better so quickly is because I just, I sought help from every avenue I possibly could almost immediately. Um, You know, I went to my GP, I was seeing a counsellor, I was speaking to my colleagues at work, I was constantly speaking to friends and family. And when that didn't even help me, I knew I was in such a dire situation that if I'd left it a day or two later, I I honestly don't know where I'd be. Um, So it's never to... It's never too late to ask for help, but it's never too early to ask for help. Um, Just try and find and and source all the resources available to you. Um, Shout out UK. I found really good when I wasn't particularly well for someone just to chat to um, uh, via text. Um, There's some amazing charities out there like Mind and Campaign Against Living Miserably, um, Heads Together. There's also the Big White Wall, which is a fantastic resource for just um, using your sort of creativity to um, to work on, on mental health. And um, I think there's just lots of ways that you can you can use as an outlet. For me, it was sport. Um, actually, to, to one of Michael's earlier points around addiction, I found that really interesting because it made me reflect and think, I think there's periods of my time in my life where I've definitely been addicted to exercise. And I actually, I've gone down a path of marathons and ultra marathons and endurance races. And I think that is a form of escapism for me. You know, someone could see that I go on a big bike ride and they think, oh, that's fantastic. She's cycled so far and and I feel so good mentally and physically. But actually, there are times in my life where that's been a form of escape and it hasn't, it's, it's let me heal temporarily, but it hasn't put a bit of a plaster on it, but it's not fixing the problem. I only really got better by talking to specialists, by seeking specialist support um, um, and a range of other resources. So don't leave it too late. Um, and then I think my final point really around those struggling right now is, is if you're able to um, 
try and find out what your triggers might be. Um, it might be something that you can't work on right now because you can't see wood for the trees. But for me personally, by recognizing what my triggers were and what made me feel better or worse mentally and, phys- and physically really has helped me maintain good mental health now. It's not perfect, but it's it, it means I can um, recognize the signs, the warning signs earlier. And I know what I need to do to put all of the um, solutions in place as quickly as possible. Um, and it just means that you just have a bit of a support blanket, really. Um, and I mean, there really is nothing more powerful than talking therapies, in my opinion. Um, you know, I probably would favor that over medication. You know, I didn't like the medication I was on. There were side effects. Um, but, you know, a combination of lots of different things worked for me. Um, and now I know what my triggers are and I know what contributes really positively to my mental health and well-being. Uh, for example, making sure I spend time outside, away from my screen, away from my desk, making sure I always try and fit in, you know, some runs every week, um, not drinking too much, trying to fit in some some meditation, making sure I turn all my notifications off on my phone. If anyone needs to contact me, they can call me and text, like they can still get through, but I don't need to be on WhatsApp all the time. Um, doesn't always contribute positively to my mental health. So they're my two points. Don't leave it too late to ask ask for help. Um, please reach out now. Um, there are people you can reach out to. You might not feel like there are, but there are. There are people out there feeling exactly like you are right now. Um, and for those that are on a bit more of a forward journey within their mental health um, and are able to do so, try and figure out what your triggers are. Try and keep a bit of a journal of, of, of the good and the bad days and then perhaps think about your your diet and your exercise regime, your sleep, um, your surroundings um, and see if you can kind of put put things together to figure out what the, what the triggers might be in the future. That is amazing, Mika. Thank you so much. Uh, and Michael, what, what would you say? Some really great advice there. And to be honest, I don't think I need to add too much. I'm just going to echo a couple of things. Um, if there was one thing that I kept telling myself, it was I'll deal with it tomorrow. So just to echo that point of dealing with it today is definitely going to be better than dealing with it tomorrow. And my second point is around not beating yourself up for any decisions you might have made in the past. The, the past is is gone now. You can't change it. So coming at coming at it with a a compassionate sensitivity it's it's going to be uh, a a lot more of a i guess i say enjoyable process um it's it's definitely going to be hard work but it really should be um should be looked at as moving forward so i think uh yeah just be compassionate with yourself and yeah and enjoy it if you can can I just say thank you so much, both of you. You've been so honest, um, just so um, kind with with kind of sharing your thoughts and, and your experiences. And I, 
I'm convinced that that will make a real difference to people listening to this, um, especially during a crisis like COVID-19. So thank you so much. Um, We hope you've enjoyed this latest edition of Marketing Week's This Much I Learned podcast and check out the next episode coming soon. You can also listen to our other podcasts, Marketing Week Explores and Marketing Week Meets on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. And also do check out our webinar series, The Lowdown on marketingweek.com. That just leaves me to thank Mika and Michael and you for listening. Thanks so much.